spin your passion into a business of Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. The Rockin' 25 College Basketball Poll is put together by sports experts from around the country. While some voters see one or two games a week, our voters see games live, on TV, and really understand college basketball. It's time to release the Rockin' 25 on the Rockin' Pregame. All right. It is our college basketball rocketologist from the Rockin' 25 College Basketball Poll. We're joined by the owner and the rabble rouser at Tease the Dog, Michael Hunter, and owner-operator and bracketologist at Haslametrics.com, that being Eric Haslam. Gentlemen, the NCAA will release the top 16 teams uh, coming up tomorrow. Who's on your list? You know, for me, the one line is pretty well set, uh, especially the top three. I think the top three have separated themselves uh, by a pretty fair distance from the rest of the field of Purdue, UConn, and Houston. I'm going to give the nod to Marquette. And I know that there's there's a certain <laughs> running joke that we carry on this on this particular broadcast. But right now, I, I really like the Golden Eagles. I think we're going to dive into them a little bit later. But um, those are those are my four number ones right now on my two line. I have Arizona, Tennessee, uh, UNC, despite the uh, the loss to Syracuse, and probably something that was unforeseen even to me until I actually sat down to, to think about it was is is Iowa State is my fourth uh, number two right now three line uh, for me Baylor Kansas Auburn which is kind of a darling right now given their recent just I, I don't even really know how to put it um, destruction of South Carolina which had been kind of a darling themselves and then my fourth number three is Illinois which is a team I don't particularly believe in but I can't really argue with their results my four line is kind of where I'm probably going to deviate from Eric a little bit my number one number four uh, would be Duke and then I have Creighton I really like Creighton maybe like them a little bit more than some other people but I like their makeup I think Greg McDermott's a really underrated coach and then I have a team that I don't really believe in that other people do in Alabama on my four line. And then my, my last number four is South Carolina, uh, despite that that embarrassing loss to Auburn. You know, Auburn's a tough place to play. South Carolina had been kind of playing out of their minds lately, and, you know, maybe it was due for a little bit of a, uh, a falling back to earth kind of situation. But regardless, even at this point, they still only got three losses on the season. I think the Gamecocks are, are very well coached. Their coach is a hot name on the free agent market right now, and I think the Gamecocks have, have earned one of those top 16 spots. There's going to be a lot of overlap here. I think Michael's absolutely right with the top three, Purdue, UConn, and Houston. I would probably put Arizona as my fourth number one in there. I think North Carolina had the inside track at one point, but they have taken themselves right off this list with losses to Clemson and Syracuse. You get down to the two line. I In order, I like Tennessee. I like Marquette. I have North Carolina there as well. My last uh, number two is Kansas. Not thrilled with Kansas. I think they're more in line with a three, but I think they're going to get a two because of their ceiling and the talent that they have when they are motivated. Going to the three line, I have Baylor, I have Iowa State, I have Auburn. And then it's kind of a tough one at the uh, the bottom of the three line. It's either Alabama or Duke. I'm probably going to side with Alabama on that one. And then you go to the four line, you flip those two around. I have Duke as the, as the top uh, number four. 
I have Wisconsin there. And then things get a little bit murky. Um, and I guess you could probably look at about five teams that are fighting for two spots. I'd say San Diego State has a case. I think Dayton has a case. Illinois is in a good spot. Creighton is in, in a good spot. And like Michael said, South Carolina, you know, they just got buried the other night against Auburn, but you can't discount them either. They, they've got a pretty solid record. Not an analytical darling, but when you're looking at the resume and what they've accomplished, you can't discount it. So South Carolina has got to be considered for a four. Well, let's release the top five of the Rockin' 25 right now. Anarchy reigns this year. Purdue remains number one. Houston jumps UConn for two. Arizona four. Iowa State five. If this was next year, you would have three Big 12 teams in the top five. But national media doesn't seem to be giving the love. Some believe that should be given to the league. Eric, what do the numbers say about the Big 12 now? Well, in my mind, the Big 12 is still the best. That really hasn't changed over the last few years. You know, it's it's still rare for me to see the big 12 you know see a team outside the top 100 for me out of the big 12 this year the big 12 has two of them number 119 is oklahoma state and number 142 is west virginia but if you look at the top 40 in this conference it's really so like mega impressive 10 of the 14 teams in the big 12 are in my top 40 that means the big 12 makes up one quarter of my top 40 name another power conference that can do that the pac 12 has three the ACC has four. The Big Ten and the Big East each have five. The SEC has six. You're looking at that conference who could be even better next year, but right now they're just st- still the cream of the crop, in my opinion. You have good teams from all these other conferences, but top to bottom, the Big 12 is just the gold standard in college basketball. There are teams in the Big 12, Eric, that I don't particularly believe in. The top two would be K-State and TCU. Is their involvement in the top 40 a byproduct of just simply playing in that conference? I think that's a a major part in it. I think a lot of people have made that argument that because they are staying close with really elite teams, it makes them look elite. I think it's a very valid question, and it might actually be a potential weakness with the analytics. And a lot of that stuff kind of shows if it's true or false once the tournament comes around. But, you know, at this point, you got to look at what you got in front of you with the data that you have and the fact that you've got all these teams, including – you know, the likes of a Cincinnati and a BYU as well as the other teams we mentioned. I mean, just top to bottom, you know, there, there's no off nights in the Big 12. They are just at another level versus other conferences. And I think the result of that is, you know, we may not believe of them as far as being competitive in the Big 12, but I think one thing that that's another byproduct of them playing the Big 12 is these teams are going to be battle-tested if they are able to to sneak their way into the dance. And, you know, they, they pick up in maybe a middle-of-the-tier ACC team or something like that, then you have to like the competition that the Big 12 teams have faced night in and night out against an ACC team in that situation. Sixth through 10 of the Rockin' 25 has You Can't Trust Marquette at sixth. Tennessee falls three spots to number seven. North Carolina falls three spots after a big loss this week. Baylor jumps up four spots to number nine, and Kansas drops two as Texas Tech gives Bill Self the worst non-conference loss in history. At Kansas, when they are not top two. That can't be right. Non-conference team. Anyways, Texas Tech gave a smackdown to Bill Self and the Jayhawks. Marquette (laughs) keeps sneaking up higher. Uh, Michael, is this the year for Shaka Smart? It's funny. I, I, you know, I would have to ask in what regard 
uh, a, a deep run. I would love to say possibly, but then I, I found myself almost the same time last year on the same show answering a very similar question. And I said, absolutely. Shaka smart is back. You know, this is the year he, he busts out of that stigma, the, the post VCU, the post Mike Rhodes as an assistant stigma where he can, he can replicate another deep run into the tournament. I, I love Tyler Kolick. I think he's one of the best guards in America, if not the best point guard in America, he's turning it on at the absolute correct time of the season right now. He's been absolutely dominant lately. Uh, I do think Marquette is a top five team as, as shown by me giving them the fourth number one uh cam jones not having as great of a season as he had last year but still formidable um you know 14 points a game about a point shy of where he was last year maybe a rebound less uh, a couple less steals total on the season but he's still one of the better guards in the country and and together colic and jones make up one of the best backcourts in the country bar none so uh, you know this is you know, one thing I do like about this team, uh, top five players, uh, top five scores, all upperclassmen, juniors and seniors, eight players averaging at least 15 minutes per game. So they're all deep. Ten players uh, have appeared in at least 16 games in the season. So they have a lot of experience. You know, most teams this year or lately, in the last 10 years probably, only going six, seven players deep. So so Shaka having eight players in a rotation that have seen the court consistently and 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 logging valuable minutes i think is is a big deal for marquette especially come tournament time where the whistles get a little bit tighter so i I would like to think that this is the year i love this backcourt i love this point guard to me guard play is absolutely imperative and paramount when it comes to winning in march so i give marquette an excellent chance to make a, a sweet 16 elite eight appearance at least all right, exclusive to the Rockin' pregame, it's the Rockin' 25 College Basketball Poll with our Rocketologist Michael Hunter and Eric Haslam. So our focus on the Big 12 finishes this week. Kansas loses to Texas Tech on the road. Other than Oklahoma, the rest of the Big 12 ranked teams hold serve. Five teams are all within a game and a half of Iowa State and Houston. Eric, uh, will the uh, Big 12 championship be decided on Monday when the Cyclones visit Houston? No, I don't don't think so. Um, You know, as we talked with the earlier question, so much can, you know, so much can happen, and there's so many tough matchups still ahead of us. We're still only in mid-February. I always have to remind people of this, that when you're a month out, you still got about seven games remaining on the regular season slate before you even get to the conference tournament. And, you know, so if you're looking at a team like Houston, you know, first they get Texas, and then they get Iowa State, and then after that they still got to play Kansas. They they got to go to Baylor. They got to go to Oklahoma. Iowa State, an easier slate after Monday, but they still got to contend with with BYU. They, you know, Oklahoma's still out there. They have to go to Kansas State. I will say this: um, of the teams that are in contention, and I'm going to include uh, those two teams we talked about with Iowa State and Houston, as well as uh, Kansas, Texas Tech, and Baylor. I think Iowa State and Texas Tech have the easiest road ahead. Iowa State has three teams ahead of them outside of the top 50. Texas Tech, also three teams outside the top 50, including the two cellar dwellers in the Big 12. That's West Virginia and Oklahoma State, be them road games as they are. But the other three teams, Houston, Baylor, and Kansas, they cannot say that. Their road leading up to the Big 12 tournament is just plain tougher. You know, while the Big 12 is obviously, I think, the best conference in the nation, each of these teams atop this this conference aren't without their faults. Houston has trouble scoring in the half court at times. 
LJ Cryer is excellent on the offensive end, but Jamal Shedd is nicked up seemingly all the time. Baylor is young. Kansas has, you know, a top three player in the nation, but he's also out with a knee injury. So, you know, all of these teams, while very good, also have their question marks. I think, you know, that, that makes them susceptible to a team like TCU or Kansas State that we talked about earlier, maybe even Cincinnati, jumping up, biting them and hurting their chances of winning this conference. This conference is far from decided. It's going to be, it's going to be quite a run to uh, a sprint to the finish, if you will, I think, in the Big 12. Hey, Michael, when it comes to Texas Tech, do you think they have the guard play personnel that they can actually go out there, win the Big 12, and make a dent in the NCAA tournament? I would say that Texas Tech does have enough guard play. The question for me, and I, I didn't admittedly watch the entire game the other night, you know, while guard play is absolutely paramount, that those guards have to be healthy. Uh, my biggest question mark again, like we talked about with some of the others is with Texas tech, for me, it comes down to firepower. You know, they're, they're kind of a team of, of that's been assembled by coach McCaslin. Um, they have gelled well, I think thus far in the season, but I do worry about firepower when it comes against, uh, when it comes to Texas tech, uh, especially playing on, on road neutral courts. Hey, Michael, as you look at these teams in the Big 12, which team might be fooling the analytics because they just aren't playing smart on the court? You know, it's it's funny because there's kind of two different analytics. There's there's like Eric's analytics as well as the net analytics. Then there's individual uh, performance rankings analytics. When, when it comes to that I think Kansas kind of jumps out to me. I think, you know, some of these teams like Baylor, for instance, is young. I think they play above their heads at times, but Kansas, there's a lot of detracting factors for me when I, when I'm looking at the Jayhawks and, and making a potential final four run, you know, despite a premier front court, you know, they don't really hit the offensive glass all that hard. They, they don't really turn over their opponents as far as live ball situations that often. They, they don't hit a ton of threes, though they do shoot them pretty well around 35, 36%, I believe. They're not very deep. I think they're actually one of the, the lower half teams in the nation as far as bench minutes go. But they do shoot the ball well. Kevin McCullough is one of the top five players in the nation. He's an All-American. However, there's another question mark there. Is that knee going to be healthy enough to sustain a deep tournament run, six games that are required to win the NCAA tournament after playing a conference tournament in which they're going to try to you know, get up to that two line, possibly get up to that number one line if they're able to win the Big 12 tournament. So it's Kansas, to me, looks... You know, on paper, they have a lot of star power. I, I think Dewan Harris is one of the premier uh, perimeter defenders in the nation. McCullough, obviously one of the premier perimeter defenders in the nation, as well as a, a Swiss Army knife type player. Dickinson, one of the top centers in the nation. K.J. Adams is is one of the best mid-range players, I think, in the nation, as well as a tremendous pick-and-roll player. But I, I just... Their depth worries me. Um, their reliance upon their their big men worries me because that whistle does get tight in March. What if Dickinson gets in foul trouble? What if McCullough is nicked up and, and can't go 100% or maybe even, God forbid, has to actually sit out a game? So I, I think Kansas has a lot of question marks, and, and they're going to have to prove some things coming down the stretch. Eric, as the NCAA starts with creating practice brackets this week in preparation for March Madness, uh, since so many teams in the Big 12 may find their way in, what's the difficulty in placement uh, teams to avoid early matchups? Well, that's that's always a difficult thing to do every year. I mean, not only are you trying to avoid interconference matchups, 
in the first couple rounds, but you're also avoiding the non-conference matchups that have already occurred. And now you're all of a sudden talking about, I, I, here's another thing I'm going to throw out there as well. Then on top of an effort, you actually try to ensure that conferences aren't doubling up within the top four seeds of any particular region. So you're dealing with that as well. So all these things, as I go through this exercise every single year, in certain instances, you're forced to move a team two or three spots. I'm not talking seeds. I'm talking spots. So like uh, one seed would be one through four, uh, two seed would be five through eight. You're sometimes moving a team as many as three spots just to try to find one, a kind of a matchup, like a set of four matchups that are available. Because you're like, you come across these three, that makes a good fit, and then all of a sudden you're left with a Big 12 versus Big 12. You're like, okay, well, I have to go back to the drawing board on this foursome, and you have to try something else. That gets really tricky, especially in the Big 12, when you're talking about up to 10 teams getting a berth in the NCAA tournament. That means you're going to get two teams in two regions, three teams in the other two regions. So it's going to get really crowded, going to be really difficult to do. But it's just something you kind of deal with. You will find a way. You hopefully don't have to move somebody off of a seed line to a different seed line. But, yeah, you can shift them quite a bit inside of a seed. So you can potentially be a bottom 10 seed and have to be shifted up to a top 10 seed or vice versa just because you have to avoid these kind of matchups. It makes it tricky, but it's just, you know, part of the business. It's the way it always works out, and somehow everything kind of falls into place in the long run. It's the Rockin' 25 College Basketball Poll with our Rocketologists Eric Haslam and Michael Hunter. Which Big 12 game is the one to watch out for in the next week other than Houston hosting Iowa State? Uh, I'm going to go with Baylor on the road against BYU on Tuesday night. Uh, You know, I've said it a couple times so far today. Baylor's a really intriguing team to me. Uh, if you if you're a frequent listener of this show, you know that I love Jacoby Walter. You know that I love Eve Misi. Uh, over the years, uh, I've come around on Scott Drew a little bit. But with this Baylor team, they, they have some really nice pieces, but they're still a very young team. They are the best three-point shooting team in the nation, which is which is very interesting to me. But they are two and three true road games this year. Uh, they have dominated in neutral floor games as well as semi-away games. But true road games, two and three straight up on the season. Uh, you know, a, a young team that shoots well, but if you're going to advance in the dance – You've got to learn to play in hostile environments. You've got to be able to, to be able to shoot in basically true road game situations because the further you go into the tournament, the the more likely it is that you're going to encounter a team who has the crowd on their side. I just think for a young team, they have something to prove. BYU is a fairly experienced team who's also looking to to improve their seed chances. I'm not sure where or if Eric has them in the field right now, but you know Baylor, that's a big test for the Bears. I think coming down the stretch and could be indicative about how they perform come conference tournament season as well as NCAA tournament season. Yeah, for me, and I'll pick Kansas State at Texas on Monday. I think Kansas State is playing spoiler right now. They have not had their their best year, admittedly, but they beat Kansas last week. And then they overperformed in a loss to BYU. As for Texas, wins and losses may not show it, but Texas is actually playing some of their best ball of the season right now. They fell out of my top 25 before Thanksgiving, fell as low as somewhere around 75th in my performance rankings, I think. And now they are back knocking on the door of my top 25. They've got a lot of easy wins over the last month, mixing with some tight losses versus, versus elite competition. And a lot of that has coincided with the return and in, in, in rise of Dylan DeSue, um, who really struggled early to come back from a foot injury. He's been a beast 
as of late, scoring in double digits in his last seven games. He hung 28 on Iowa State last week, Tuesday, and then another 27 on West Virginia last weekend. On top of that, you have to deal with Max Asmus, who still hasn't scored south of 10 points in a single game this year, shoots 39% from three-point range. You know, Texas looking to keep keep the momentum going. They're top 10 in my momentum metric, but, you know, Jerome Tang, he always has a plan. You can't overlook Kansas State in any game, in any situation. Well, fellas, where can people find your work? You can find me on Twitter at Tease the Dog, D-A-W-G. And as always, people can find me, my ratings, my rankings, my bracketology, and my projections over at Haslometrics.com. Otherwise, if you guys are looking for me on Twitter or X, I will be out there going hashtag analytically final at, at Haslometrics. All right. Our thanks to Rockin' 25 voters, Michael Hunter and Eric Haslam, for breaking down the analytics and the teams this week. And as always, the entire Rockin' 25 college basketball poll uh, can be found at rock101lubbock.com. Thanks a lot, guys. Thank you, guys. Thank you. All right. Talk to you next week. All right. Coming up next, Pete gets us updated on the Lady Raiders when we return here to the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pregame on Rock 101.1.